Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. with Dr. Lulu, the podcast. How are you doing? It's your favorite podcast host, Dr. Lulu, a.k.a. The Momatrician. Yes, your board-certified pediatrician and mom and speaker on child, teen, and young adult depression and suicide, coming at you with another exciting episode of Suicide Pages. And today we have a guest that we kind of sort of met virtually, like on Facebook, like everybody else meets these days, but she is wearing the most beautiful pearls. Y'all don't get to see it too bad. She is also an MD like me, and guess what? She is doing direct primary care like me. We have a lot in common. She's a foreign graduate. She's a foreign immigrant, so we are killing it, okay? Yes, her name is none other than Marga Zaraga, MD. She's a family practice, family medicine doctor. And today she wants to share, I'm going to say some deja vu moments that she got from her past. And she wants to acknowledge that indeed, even her, no one is perfect, but even her, she had a time in her past when she had some trauma and now is beginning to come up to the surface and she wants to acknowledge it and just keep moving on because she's not identifying with her past. She's not affected anymore by her past, but she is part of her past and she's sharing her history with us. So without further ado, Dr. Zaraga, take it away. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for spending this gorgeous afternoon. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for doing what everybody should do. Two words, reach out, get help or say something, right? So we're here today. We're going to talk. We're going to have fun. We're going to share, share, share. So did I leave anything out of your intro? No. Thank you so much, Luciana. All right. So we're going to start. Where do you want to start? Where, where do you want to start? Um, maybe let's start with, I know that you are a pediatrician and you've been sharing with me your special calling to help uh, children dealing with their mental stresses and specifically depression and putting them at risk of suicide. I first heard of you um, or rather ran into you on Facebook and I found it really, I really admired how you 
narrowed down your mission to this very specific thing that is obviously very needed. But for so many months, I did not even think of my own experience until a couple of weeks ago. And I was so, it, it hit me like, oh my God, I should reach out to Uchenna about this. I love it. It's like, because I, because you have the stage for my message to be heard. Amen. Yes. And that's, that's where I'm coming from today. Uh, that I've buried this. Um, you know, it's not something, it's a moment that I don't look forward to revisit, but you're creating an opportunity for a person like me to express it in a positive light, hopefully to help anyone who, any child, any parent, any aunt, uh, any uncle, any grandparent who is helping. Teachers, counselors. counselors Who want to get into the head of vulnerable children. Yes. So that is the background of where I'm coming from. Me, I think you and I, Uchenna, um, share this spirit of generativity where we elevate ourselves by elevating others. Amen. Yes. Yes. So I'm here also to support your vision. And yes, and I think this is healthy for me as well. So But also I like the fact that you went back and said you want to shed it in a positive light. Yeah. And I want people to hear that. And I almost want you to say that again for those at the back. Because people Mm -hmm. think because she's talking about suicide or depression always dark and dreary. No, it is it's part of our history it is part of who we are you know i don't know anybody that's happy all the time (laughs) and that's mania you know yeah naturally naturally it is up and down and it's normal to experience a full spectrum of emotions that is healthy a full spectrum of emotion happy sad you know all of that put together in one that my friend is what i call healthy living right so yes. this is great. We're talking about the difficult topics. Somebody has to talk about it. When mm-hmm. We're going to own it and then just move right on to the fact that we are here. We have mm-hmm. survived it. We are survivors. Yes. We're going to you know, hold on to, oh, but, but no, we're here today for a reason. And you know what? If you help one person, that's a lot of people because that's one person. And I heard that for every suicide, 3,000 people are affected. 3,000. So imagine if you mm-hmm. save one person, you just saved three. Mm-hmm. So, hey, you know what? I appreciate you for seeing the light in me, and I see the light in you too. So thank you so much for reaching out. I appreciate it. So I'm going to maybe start about when I found out that um, there was trouble in my family. So um, I remember that day when my father revealed to me that he had uh, another partner and a, another son who we obviously didn't know about until that point. Uh, it was in my parents' bedroom. The You know, it's 30 years after. Um, and and I was... You see it. You still yeah. remember where it was. Oh, yeah, definitely. Even the light in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt... Because I was into... I, I loved movies, theater, and I was like why am I living out one of the stories that I've watched on TV, these telenovelas and dramas? And I was like, I don't want to be in those stories. Like, this, is a, this belongs on a television set, not, not my life. 
And um, uh, I'm going to go into specific emotions and feelings. There, there came shame because uh, it was what? It, it was the 80s. It was 1980s. And uh, I, I grew up in the Philippines, which is a Catholic country, predominantly Catholic. And it, it was a hush-hush situation. Yeah, whenever uh, families uh, and or uh, mothers and fathers separated, there was no divorce law. Um, I'm not even sure when, what year the family code uh, came about to protect um, children and, and partners from from situations where uh, they are abandoned uh, financially. Um, so and also probably there was no. Um there's no, well, you said it, there's no like alimony or anything like that either. And definitely no counseling, no counseling for the children. Because I know when I got divorced, my kids had to get counseling because they're going to keep blaming themselves. And meanwhile, it's not there for, you know what I mean? Like, so there probably wasn't even any counseling either. Was there? None. Yeah. Because it, it was about trying to hide. And I made, I made very elaborate efforts to suggest to my friends that everything was okay yes and whenever my father or my mother would make an appearance i would insert statements to make them you know for myself to convince myself that everything was just like normal yeah um so that that was a stress um yes so uh i so it felt like or it the the rug was pulled from under you and you lost all foundation of support um, from everything that you believed in. And more importantly, the future seemed bleak um, and you question your self-worth at the same time because, you know, you feel abandoned. Like, were you, weren't you um, important enough to save a marriage for. So now I'm going to go into that moment. So there was all of that going on and much more. Um, there were, you know, obviously some horrible fights that you would witness between parents that you'd rather not have seen or you want to unsee. Unsee, I love that. <laughs> yes, or unhear. I know. Yeah. And um, the, you know, and then, but this particular moment that I, I ended up dissecting a few weeks ago um, was, was, I believe, the deepest um, moment of depression I had throughout that span of time. Uh, it was after school, so I was alone in my room. And was this I, I was describing this um, actually to an audience that I was speaking of speaking to a couple of weeks ago on depression and how depression when unarrested can put you at risk for suicide and that's why I felt responsible towards that audience to revisit that moment and what I want to say is it was after school and there was this deep deep uh, depression sadness, self-pity that 
you know, almost felt physical. It, it feels physical in your chest and it's heavy. So it translated to something physical. And you felt like whatever this feeling is, you just want to escape and have it end. Like you just want to stop the thoughts. You just want it to end. You just and want so to I walked. Pain. That is so true. A lot of people who, this gentleman, I was reading his blog, he said he felt like his whole body was on fire and he just wanted to quench the fire, put the fire out. And that's mm-hmm. the way he saw it. So he decided he was going to jump. Mm-hmm. He didn't die, but he wanted the fire to stop. And so they have different ways of describing it. And in your own case, it's just a deep-seated pain. Most teenagers, indeed, who attempt suicide, they just want the pain to stop. To go away. They don't really want whether it's death or not death. They just want the pain to stop. Stop. Correct. So I relate to that. And then I also remember sharing this with the audience a couple of weeks ago that when you think of your future is you just see black yes like you can't see past this moment um so i actually ended up walking to the kitchen and i you know i found one of these large kitchen knives and i held it and you know i think at that part i think i started to imagine maybe some gore. And I was like, I think I started to think to myself, well, that's not what I want. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, you know, like, and I was thinking about, this is when I started to dissect what kept me from hurting myself, even if I was so decided that I wanted this to stop. And I think the answer that comes to me is like all all the people who did support me who surrounded me with love, um, possibly outside of my parents, because at the time they were the conflicting forces. They were the right? bears, yeah, yeah, flight yeah. frightened. Yes. So oh. my my grandmother was uh, one very strong support I had. Um, she um, she gave she gave me an outlet for um, this uh, religious group. Um, that would come together in in um, praise and worship um, uh, services. I was that allowed... going to ask you. Sorry, I was going to ask yeah. you if maybe being Catholic. Were you Catholic? Were you I, Catholic? I was, yes. I was going yes. to ask you if maybe being Catholic had a role to play because for me, I wasn't suicidal as a young child, but as as an adult when I was suicidal, part of my mm-hmm. thing was I'm a Catholic. I'm going to go to hell. Mm. Suicide is such a bad thing in Catholicism, you know, yes. things like that, you know. Yes, I, so maybe totally. some of that too. Definitely it did. Um, if, you're to- if we're touching on that topic, the hope definitely was represented in um, the rosary. My So I believe... You know, I want this message to cross over, you know, religion and belief systems, even to atheists. But I think as a child, I'm, I have to say that the key word I want to say is structure. Mm-hmm. So the rosary gave me a structure to, to meditate and to calm my mind. Um, I don't believe I prayed at that moment of, the, of me feeling tried. Uh, at that moment where I was contemplating hurting myself. Mm. Um, I didn't think of heaven, hell, or earth. I don't think you 
you think that um, at that moment. Um, but, you know, you leave the kitchen knife and you put it down and then you think about what else is going well for you. And another support I had at the time was my, um, my, we had uh, a late, a trusted um, uh, nanny who raised me since I was a child along with my parents. So she was like a third parent to me as, um, as, as influential as a grandparent could be. Um, and through the years, I have to say that both par- my parents took pride in the fact that they really took care of our relationships, but they just couldn't take care of each other. Like they made that very clear. Um, that was a very clear message that, you know, you, you and I, we have to continue to work together as father, daughter, mother, daughter, but that they had, that the problem was in how they manage their own. But of course I would still, you know, get into the mess of the crossfire. Yeah. So, but were you an only child? Yes, I was. Um, my, my father, um, I have a half brother. With yeah, no, my... no, I heard that. I heard that, but I was just curious for the two of them because I've just one because I did not know one way or the other. You mentioned supports. You mentioned everybody except siblings, and I'm thinking maybe yeah. she's the only child, which is fine. I mean, it's not it's not of your doing, but I'm, that definitely does affect that. I think. I'm glad you brought that up because um, there there was a time where I couldn't accept that I had a sibling, and um, I think right now we're actually quite good friends uh, my, with my half-brother because we ended up, my mother actually was the key person who helped me and encouraged me to start a relationship with my half-brother. So That's it would wonderful of your mom. Yeah. That is wonderful. That is, that is she's an yeah. angel. She's a saint. Yeah. And I say that because... I think I'm the first of six kids. And I don't know anything about being an only child. I think I was an only child for like 21 months. And then my brother bounced in like Tigger. But, but I can imagine as an only child that there were even times yeah. when you wanted a sibling, but yes. maybe not this way, you know? Yeah, so right. I can, I can exactly. see that the next level of conflict, even with that which you wanted so much, but wait. I didn't want it this way, you know? So yeah, you're conflicted. Yeah, exactly. So God bless your mother for, for doing that. As an, she's an angel for that. She is. Um, and so we, my father, of course, was very happy about that. Um, but there was a time where I felt that my sibling was a representation of my unhappiness, you know? Because, like, that he was part of that. And then... You know, Except through time and that through- he had no say. Yes, of course. And I love that because we all do the same thing. You know, we hate, you know, we hate our neighbor's child because we had a disagreement with our neighbor. But our neighbor's child had nothing to do with it. Yes. But yes. they are neighbor's child. So you know what I mean? Like, and that yes. is a human behavior, and that's almost a learned behavior. You have to unlearn very quickly because it's it's not healthy. Yes. So what is so I I was very grateful but for how that um how that corrected itself. Well it didn't correct itself. With the guidance of my mother and the support of my father, I have this precious relationship with my half brother. Um and yes, and I think 
that's, you know, that's the way, you know, life goes and how love heals. Um, but I, I do want to acknowledge that that didn't come without effort. Um, that requires the guidance of some in, of, of enlightened individuals. And the willingness um, to do it. I have to put that into, you had to have a willingness to do it. And so did he. Because, you know, you can't, if you can't break, then you must bend each other. But to bend, you must be willing to bend. So, yeah, your parents guided you. But if you didn't want to, you probably also may not have that. So you must have been willing. So that shows the kind of person that you have, you are also. You know, just to want to do this. And now your kids have a great uncle or vice versa. I don't know. Yes, that's right. That's right. So it's, it's really awesome. And um, going back to the challenges of that time. So um, one of the key things I wanted to share, as you said, reach out. So I'll speak to that point about reaching out. Yes. My grandmother actually encouraged me to share my experiences in these Christian groups. And it allowed me to process that, well, pretty much in, well, among trusted eyes, because these were her friends, um, my grandmother's friends. And we did it in, yeah, in the context of faith and religion and hope and love. So, so in other words, my grandmother paved the way for a safe space for me to heal, mm-hmm. to be able to, to talk about it. Um, so it might not be a one-on-one psychotherapy session, but uh, it also brought the speaker in me. <laughs> so it was probably, now that I think about it, it's one of the more, it was probably one of the first times that I had to speak in front of a crowd oh, and it had to be with wonderful. one of the most painful experiences I've had in my life, which is our family um, trial, right? That's wonderful. Yeah, so I guess that's what I wanted to say. Like, like if there was an adult out there scratching their head about how they could support a young person, uh, definitely it doesn't obviously have to be arranging for them to speak in public, but definitely surrounding themselves with people that you yourself trust. and, you know, they don't necessarily have to, you know, address the, the situation right away of whatever that young person is going through. But to be around them, to be, to be accepting of them. Because when you, when you speak in front of a crowd like that, um, in the context of faith, love, and hope, um, you feel accepted. You feel, you feel the compassion and the healing that, that's happening um, as you're communicating your story. Yes, that is a um, true statement. Yeah. I, I feel that every yeah. time I speak in public about something that I hold so dear, I, I learn better, I heal better, I, yes. I'm better, I'm better, I'm better. That's right. So it's really, it turns out like if you share as a speaker, you actually gain so much. Yes. Um, and... Uh, I also wanted to speak to the point of... Well, before we leave that, please hold on to that thought. I love it. I want to go back to what you said about if there's any parent or parent figure scratching their head about how do I help? I love what you said about you may not be able to fix the problem, okay? But the fact that you're there, indeed, as a parent, you are 
maybe not the most important person in their life, but you're the next most important person. Everybody should be the most important person in their life, okay? So when you remove that, the parents come next to children, to teenagers, to young adults. And so imagine having that strong, perfect presence, maybe not perfect, but near perfect presence available for all the children who are hurting. Many of the kids will not go down that path. Unfortunately for us, or what I see, Mm-mm. either my patient's parents are themselves struggling yes. or my patient's parents do not understand that all the kid needs is validation or yes. my, parents, my patient's parents do not believe that they can do it. They can make a difference even if they try. But the truth is your child is not going to blame you for trying wrong. They're just going to say you never tried at all. But the fact that you tried, you might even, you know, your grandma put you on a pedestal to speak. Other people's grandmothers might hug them. But either way, your grandma was there for you. And look now, yes. 30 years later, you still credit her for yes. setting you on the road to recovery. However, she did it. It may yes. not be ideal, but hey, she did something. She did not push you away, which I want my parents to hear that when a child comes to you, because most kids will not even come, but you reached out one, great, and you reached out to the right person, even greater. But when a child comes to you, please yes. have those open arms and leave them wide open. Yes, yes. Yeah. So thank I you do, for sharing that piece. I mean, to acknowledge, I, do, I did have family members who I felt didn't know how to deal with the issue and who, you know, instead of checking in, checked out. Um, and you know what? Maybe they didn't even know what to do. And you know, I almost prefer them to check out than to check in the wrong way. And that's say, a good point. That's, you know a good point. that's a good point. Because a lot of times when you call a crisis, tech, a crisis number, that person has been trained. Yes, that's right. And that person is also not your relative. So they have a different viewpoint. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, they're not going to say the wrong thing to you. Mm-mm. You don't know them but they're there to listen and guide versus, you know, your uncle's like, okay, please, can you call me back in five minutes? Or you know what I mean? Oh, I can't talk about this right now. None of that. This person is there just to listen and guide. So it's actually, I wish you had more because one of my, my 16 year old patients that attempted suicide, she said yes. that they called five of her uncles and aunties. All of them were at work. Every last one was not available for her. So she cut and she cut the wrong place and almost died. They were not available. But maybe yeah. if she had known to call 1-800-SUICIDE, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's still better than nothing. She's alive today, thankfully, but she could have, we could have lost her. So yeah, yes, yes. knowing who to reach out to is a good thing. I love yes. it. Um, I do also want to say, that I was very lucky with the kind of teachers and friends that I had. Uh, they, I actually hid the truth about my family situation from them for, I think, almost three years. And these, wow. these are, yeah, these are my friends until this very day. And when I finally did tell them, you know, obviously, you know, it's, 
it's like you're living a lie essentially i was actually waiting for you to say that i didn't want to be the one to say that because you mentioned earlier on that you told compensatory stories about your parents whenever they came up so you were making them up you were just like i'm just gonna say this and i'm just gonna stick with that but you know it's falsehood but i'm glad you know as a 12 year old i would probably have done the same I mean, we don't, you don't know what you, I don't know how old you are. I'm just guessing, but you don't know what you're doing and you really shouldn't be even in that position. So you did what you did as a self-protective mode. And Hey, you know what? It worked for you for three years. Yeah, for three years. Um, it was also just to give you some context. Um, to, I want to mention this to, to see how backward some cultures can be and how far we've come like the reason why there was so much shame around that was like i was a very competitive student very academically oriented and my mother told me that because it was a very predominantly catholic country that there are schools who will look at whether your parents are separated or not not. yes and so what does that make me feel, right? As somebody who wants to, get, you know, get far, very but far. I mean, yes. So I didn't want to be judged in any way uh, for that. And I, th- I honestly think at the point where I told my friends, I really didn't care at that part, uh, at that point. Because it, it eats you know, it eats, it eats you inside. Oh, yes, and, yes. and then as I said, these are, you know, these were not casual friends. These are my, you know, these, I consider, I don't have a sister. Yeah. But so yes. Sisters as I could get. And, um, it was so, and so at that point, like, you know, I just it didn't matter anymore. <laughs> it didn't matter actually almost what the reaction would be because yes. I, I had to do it for myself to just yes. tell I've been, pretending all this time that everything is okay was okay and it turned out that your friends were the direct opposite they rallied around you and you know lifted you up and they did and that's what my son said you know when he was a guest on the podcast he said mom i just wish i had not even worried about it and just enjoyed the friends that i had then yeah i realized in the grand scheme of things those that bullied me where are they now? But you know, as a child, you really are not even meant to look that far ahead. So he couldn't. But now looking back, it's like, you know what? I wish I had loved myself more, whatever. I don't know this word, but just realize that my friends that I had then were actually good and, um, you know, and and then enjoy them and appreciate them and all of that. Interesting. So what's this? I, I definitely, I guess, speaking to the little girl or the young boy out there who is, uh, who is um, struggling right now. I, I do want, I do wish for all of them to find positive people who can come in the form of a friend, a mentor, a teacher, uh, a community, a trusted community member. Um, that you know that is my wish that they follow their gut if they are if they know that these people can be trusted that you will be met with love i love that because the truth is unfortunately 
as a Catholic who has an uncle who is a priest, I do have yeah. to put it out there that unfortunately, we don't yeah. always end up having the adults that is good for us, that we go to. Yes. And you, you want to trust your pastor, you want to trust your teacher, you want to trust whoever, and then they betray you even worse. Um, yeah. But yeah, indeed, we wish them just nothing wish, but yes. good luck and reach out. Yes. And just know that hopefully the universe will send you the right person to trust in because that's worse to go to the wrong adult who would just even further take advantage of you. And uh, I, I was thinking the same thing. That's why I framed it as a wish. I love because it. Yeah. I know. I agree with you. Yeah. You're right. You also have to be careful about who, about who you put your trust in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I'm feeling really light about our conversation. Um, I really have faith that this um, this message will go to whoever needs to hear it at this time. I I uh, you know I talked about um, self doubt, um, shame, uh, embarrassment, uh, deep depression, suicide. You know these are all very strong emotions that. Um, you know, actually what I was thinking of, these are things that I, you know, I have two sons and I would never wish these things on them. Um, but at the same time, I know that in, in, my, in my world, this is what's, uh, as you said, this is my history. And these are, these are the things that allowed me to become and bloom to be the person that I am right now. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's uh, like, just, this is just my story. I wish, I wish no, I wish all people could, um, as you said in the, the beginning of the podcast, you know, I, I wish, you know, the life would just be full of joy, but yeah. it is true that if it was full of joy, then that's ecstasy and mania and that wouldn't be really life. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Right. I think it's more so, um, and we, I had, I think I talked to someone about that. I don't know if it was today or yesterday. But, and I, I'm going to use black males because they are the ones that no one expects them to ever feel sad, to ever feel weak, or to even show it. Yeah. But it is normal for you to have a full range of emotions. Yeah. Happy, sad, joy. Not when all of that is all normal. Yes. Now it's what you do with it, you know, with the sadness. Oh, yes. That is the thing, right? Thank, thank you for telling me that because that brings me to something very important. Good. So you, what you said just now, what, it's what you do with it. So I want to tell you that what I did with, with, this, with this life experience, I really felt at an early age that I was exposed to the darkness and evil of the world you know how selfishness and um greed even uh abandonment all these all these things um for me like i was exposed to those real realities of life very early Mm -hmm. and and so i find myself uh sharing this a lot where my, my passion has been 
um, to shine the brightest light that I can um, in any area of my life, in any area of the world, in, in any work that I do, um, in, in how I love my spouse and how I love my children. I, the image in my mind is like, I want to be the brightest light that I can be because I've, I've seen the absence of which, and I feel a sense of responsibility and inspiration, I would say, um, to counter that by becoming that best light I can be. So, you know, I, I, Uchenna and I are in these uh, women physician groups and we talk a lot about self-care. And I think that's why we have to take care of each other, take care of ourselves um, especially mentally, it's because we have to be like a light bulb polished all the time to shine our light in the brightest way possible. Amen. Amen. So, that is a very good segue to the last segment of the podcast, at least this episode, because I feel like you're going to come back. <laughs> I feel like you've got more to say and I love it. I enjoyed it. But so at this point, and I think you've pretty much already dropped nuggets along the way what is there like a favorite book or favorite podcast wink wink or favorite quote <laughs> that inspires you is there any one particular one i actually haven't been reading books lately me too but i read but, every summer i read one book so that one i haven't stopped every summer i read a book yes i, I still do that but as far as the self-help books, the ones you're supposed to read to help you get better, sometimes I just ditch it and I just read a good old romance novel and just, you know, because sometimes I just want to read something totally, totally unrelated to work and entrepreneurship. I just want to read something fun, you know? You, you know what just comes to me right now? Yes. As, maybe because it's coming from the fact that you and I are both physicians and we give, give, give. Uh, what's coming to me right now, I'm going to paraphrase it, is you can't give something that you don't have. Have. Mm. That's Very what's common. That's what's Very um, common, yes. That's what's coming to me right now because you're touching on self-care. And, you know, I find myself that my current track is... Uh, helping people realize that if they address the mindset, the mind care, um, I picked this up from, from Vishen Lakhiani of Mind Valley, the discipline of our, of our daily life, discipline, like disciplining your thoughts so you are in a state of bliss. Um, yeah, we, we, we what we desire to do for the world will not be possible if we don't take care of ourselves so to we can't give what we don't have ourselves so mm. so i find that the more i meditate um the more i i really imbibe the emotions of hope faith and love mm-hmm. that it's better than and burning the midnight candle till 1 a.m., trying to come up with some business model, business plan. <laughs> I, I think it's 
it's a shortcut, honestly, to just meditate. It. Yeah, I meditate 20 minutes a day. Um, I'm, I'm trying to grow that, trying to fix my schedule so that I can meditate longer. The, the things, it's, it's either comes to me an inspiration, I work faster, or I meet the right person to accelerate my goal. Amen. Amen. So what's this? If I just take care of my mind, I strongly believe that everything just flows. Amen. Uh, and uh, so again, that comes from an added overall attitude of faith, hope, and love. And yeah, and what's this? That's why you and I connect. It's also faith, hope, and love, and mission. And so, a mission, yes. And yes. a mission to make a difference. And you're, you're right. You can't, I can't put it any, any better than the fact that you, if you, have, you can't run on empty. You just can't possibly run on empty. You must have take time to refill. To, and I learned recently just from talking to people, you know, why do you have to say the glass is half full or half empty? If the glass has water, you can refill it. And I was like, wow, that is a good way to look at it. Have yes, people, have yes. empty. No, it doesn't matter. It has yes. water. Can you refill it? Go for it, you know? So yes. I'm like, I'm going to start looking at life that way. Like there's, at least there's water in the glass. I love that. <laughs> of course I adopted You're, you're the second person to, to highlight that for me. Yes. Marga, thank you so much. The last thing we're going to do is, can you tell the listeners where they can find you? This has been so enlightening, so deep. I love your, your <laughs> control of everything that comes out of your mouth. It's obviously, you don't let anything that you don't want to say be said. I'm not that organized. I don't think I'm going to be. I'm a, I'm a Pisces. I swim both ways in a sense that, okay, we can go left, sure. We want to go right. Okay, let's go right. You know, that, that's the way I look at my Pisces versus my son who is a Gemini, which is like, yeah, I don't know. I think we're the same, oh, but whatever. But I'm not organized. I don't like to be organized. I don't want to be restricted and nothing. Yeah, yeah. I but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Catholic. And so I guess whatever, whatever works. But I love the, the way you conduct yourself. It's so mature. And so <laughs> I want to say to your mother and your father who raised you, that they raised a good kid. They raised a good child. You're very coordinated in, in I don't wear pearls You're so I, wear yeah. I have a pearl but I don't even I don't know where it is oh, how so organized funny. I am I have two pearls but I don't know where they are so it's fine I'm like, but I love the fact that you came today and you share with me and my listeners Marga I appreciate you you're, you're you. global rocks can you tell us where we can find you I know you're on Facebook yes so um, I'm uh, actually on Facebook, LinkedIn, and my practice, direct primary care practice page. So my direct primary care practice page, there's a form on there to contact my office. If you, that can function in any way, if you want. What is the name of the practice? <laughs> oh, yes. My practice is Genera, G-E-N-E-R-A, Genera Personal Primary Care. And the website is genera md g-e-n-e-r-a-m-d dot com our phone number is 508-591-0655 and i'm on linkedin i'm on facebook you can find me as margarita castro zaraga 
M-A-R-G-A-R-I-T-A, like the drink, and Castro, like Fidel Castro, dash Zaraga. That's my husband's married name, Zaraga. I, I, I wrote everything down. I'm going to spell it out. And um, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> the life that you're saving might be yours. <laughs> the yes. life that you're saving. And by sharing your story, and in Nigeria, they say, he who teaches learns twice. And so by being a speaker and sharing the stories, you are empowering yourself that much more. And I, I, I can keep going and going and going and going. But Dr. Zaraga, thank you so thank much you. for coming. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. This has been such a blessing. And I really need to find more excuses to chat. And we will collaborate more and more. I'm sure of it. Amen. 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 This is Dr. Lulu signing out. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the downloads. Thank you for sharing and subscribing. And just, you know what? Remember, kindness is key. You know, kindness is key. And aside from that, I don't know what else to say. Compassion, kindness. Look into people's eyes and ask them, really ask them, how are you really doing? And like Dr. Zaraga said, if you're ever finding yourself in a bad place, reach out. Call 1-800-SUICIDE or text HELP to the crisis text line 741-741. I'll see you later. Deuces. <laughs>